I don't know if any of you guys have run away or gone the wrong direction in life. I know I have, and I'm not fully comfortable to share what those are. But it sometimes feel like running away from God is harder than actually going. And in our head, we try to justify. I mean, we're masters at justification, right? Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. dive right in. Jonah was a prophet. Thank you, thank you. That's what our, the person is for tonight. Sorry for the feedback. Yeah, so let's dive right in. If you have your Bible on your phone, look up Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Like I said, I'm Gus. Like, sorry, like he said, I'm Gus. I didn't know what um, hobbies to tell him that I did because I just... I do too many, and I wish I had a couple. Anyways, let's dive in. Jonah 1, 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness had come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Um, while reading this and while thinking of what topic, I found myself kind of struggling to really understand what was going on. After all, we know there is no running away from God. I mean, have any of you guys tried running away from God? I sure have. And yet I still couldn't relate because, I mean, this last pandemic, it felt like we couldn't run away from anywhere. We had to just stay home this entire time, or so it seemed. So, here we find ourselves a prophet running away from God. And if you answered with a hoo-hoo, probably means that you've seen the VeggieTales version of Jonah. And uh, for those that, of you that have read it in the Bible, well, great. You have just a little bit more understanding than those have, that have just watched the movie. I have never watched the movie. In fact... Uh, that's the only part of the song I know. Uh, the other night when I, not the other afternoon when I was playing it, Madeline could actually, I'm sorry, my girlfriend's here. She could actually like do the whole choir rap or some sort of choir, where, yeah, where they sing along and everything. So it inspired me to continue with this. So what's interesting here is that we immediately see disobedience happening from, from Jonah. He's asked to just go ahead and go somewhere, and he's like, nope, I'm going to go the exact opposite way. Now, we don't really know, we're, sorry, you guys probably don't know where Joppa is or Tarshish is. Some of you might. I had no clue, so I had to Google it. And then after Googling it, I had to compare it to places in the United States. So Tarshish is the distance from here to Detroit. So Jonah was this exact, you guys know where Detroit is, right? Michigan, where I'm from. So it's a terrible drive. Why? 
Well, Utah is beautiful, Colorado is great, but once you get to the plains of Kansas and Nebraska, you forget everything you just saw, and you are bored to death all the way to Michigan. There's nothing beautiful in the east, and so, somehow I want to move back <laughs> afterwards. Sorry, Midwest, middle. West, I don't know. Anyway, so he starts going in that direction. But what's crazy is that God told him to go to the equivalent of Chino. No, no, Chino's not good since they did have fires in Nineveh. They're, yes, too, fire's too close to Chino, especially with the fires of two years ago. Reno. He was supposed to go to Reno, Nevada. And this man decided, this is too scary. I'm going to go to Detroit and just run away from God. I don't know if any of you guys have run away or gone the wrong direction in life. I know I have, and I'm not fully comfortable to share what those are. But it sometimes feels like running away from God is harder than actually going. And in our head, we try to justify. I mean, we're masters at justification, right? I'm sure some of you guys justified even coming here tonight, which is weird. But yeah, we just justify our decisions so that it'll fit what our plan is and try to make it fit with what we think God's plan is for us. Let's go through four. Verse four. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down and fallen sound asleep, wild. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, come let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He said, I am, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. What a perfect time to bring up who your God is when you're running away from him. Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said, pick me up and throw me overboard. And these men were like, yeah, no, let's try to go to shore. That's crazy. I just found out that this is your God. He's doing it. He'll probably kill us for throwing you overboard. And they tried. Didn't work. So they tried to do what uh, Pontius Pilate did. They tried washing their hands of it. And they said, do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they pick up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Can any of you guys relate to this? Not fully, right? One, you haven't needed to walk to Detroit, or you haven't been asked to walk to Reno, Nevada, or drive in a car. Two, I don't think you found yourself in a ship without a motor in the, you know, the middle of a lake, mind you, the Mediterranean Ocean, about to drown. And three, a whale hasn't hit you, right? That's like so Bible. Except for the fact that today, this afternoon, a man in Massachusetts survived 
a swallowing of a whale. Kind of wild. I got the notification on there that Michael Packard, I think Packard, Placard, was, uh, who's a lobster diver, was diving for lobsters 45 feet under when he just feels this big black enclosure surround him. Michael says that he uh, initially thought it was a shark, but then felt no, no teeth. That got me. You know, as a, as a dentist, uh, sorry, a student dentist, I heard teeth and I was even more enamored. But unfortunately, whales don't have teeth, right? So he, just, he figured that out. What's crazy is that he, he felt the muscles of the whale trying to swallow him, and he had to fight back. So he just like, he started fighting back, and the whale, he says the whale surfaced and spit him out. Can you imagine that? That happened today. That's not just the Bible. I mean, God can do anything with fish and do anything through animals. We've seen it through the Bible. But it happened today to a man on the other side of the country. So if you're in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, be careful. Whales like humans. So the Lord appoints a fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah's in the stomach of the whale for three days and three nights. And while he's in there, he prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. He answered me. I cried from the depth of shale. You heard my voice from the darkness, from the depths. And all the way to verse 9, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. I will praise you and I will, my voice will glorify you with thanksgiving. Not, it wasn't until then that the Lord commanded the fish. Kind of crazy for, uh, for him to have a reality check in the belly of a whale. And uh, I, I wonder what God has done in your life and what reality check has been given to you for you to be like, I was not going the right way. I have not been. What I thought was God's plan is clearly my plan morphed into God's plan, lowercase god, me. Only then did God command the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. I love this book because it's literally one page, you know, back and forth. And, uh, you know, when I was doing my Bible reading, it was so awesome to just click off because this took like four minutes of reading. But I love also how they split it up. This is one half and this is another half. And I, 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 I'm excited to show you why I believe that. But before we go into the second half, I want to share how we might view our connection with those around us and the levels of obedience that we see between others. Because the one person that we thought should have obeyed the entire time is the one that didn't. After all, we see on those that obey, we have uh, the fishermen, the, the merchants, and we've got a fish. Those that don't obey, Jonah. Should have been the other way around. I mean, at least in my mind, if I was in Jonah's, in, in Jonah's feet. I feel like I would have been the one that, that was obedient or wanted to have been obedient. But you don't see a whale getting asked by God, hey, yo, give my dude Jonah. He's drowning. Go rescue him. And the whale's like, over there? No, I'm going this way. No, the whale goes. The whale listens to the command of God. Not only that, the whale then spits him out. Come on. An animal being more obedient than a prophet. <sighs> How about unsaved people being more obedient 
to the calling of God than us. Happens all the time where I, I, I feel self-righteous and I see someone that does something good and they feel like, I feel like that was spirit-led, that God was there in their midst, but God wasn't there for what I, whatever I was doing. God wasn't, when, you know, when they call out to God like these fishermen did, God was present. When they recognize his power, they see it more than we do sometimes. They see it more than I do. And that, that scares me. A couple of years ago, uh, I was already a postgraduate, and I went to visit Madeline in Tennessee. I was there for a couple months, and we decided that Tennessee wasn't fun enough and that we must go visit friends in Orlando, Florida. Now, Florida is great. I hate their water. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for great Michigan water, which is weird because Flint, it's got its thing. But Michigan's known, like northern Michigan, best well water, best tap water I've ever experienced. But that's not the story. We go down and we decide, let's, we're, gonna, we're just going to have fun. We're going to relax. It's a nine-hour drive. Let's just chill. On the way down, nothing really big happened. We had a great time. On the way back, though, I was like, yo, Madeline, let's relax even more. If this trip turns into 10 hours instead of nine, so be it. If we need to stop for the, the restroom every 30 minutes, so be it. So we start our drive. And we start driving north on I-75, for those of you that are aware and want a little picture of it. Within one hour, I had to go to the bathroom. And uh, I wasn't going to hold it. We're not going to do one stop. I mean, you want to be as chill as possible, as comfortable as possible. So I, I say, hey, we're stopping. Let's go. So we, we get off the, the off-ramp, and there are two gas stations. One beautiful, it wasn't beautiful, but it was a service station for truckers. And then this janky little gas station. I don't know why I didn't go to the truck stop. I went to the little gas station, and uh, I get out. Somehow the bathrooms aren't working. Stupid Gus should have just crossed the street. So I go back, cross the street. I use the bathroom, use the facilities. I come back out. And then Madeline's like, you know what? I feel like going too. Now, if we were on a rush, I'd be like, oh, come on. You could have done it with me. But no, we're, we're all the time in the world. Go, babe. Go use the restroom. Take your time. You know? Wash your hands longer than normal. Dry them fully like you like. I don't care. But in that process that she left, a lady approached me. This lady, uh, yeah, she looked a little sus, a little suspicious. But me being myself, being as warm as I, I want to be, receives her. And she starts talking to me, and she's like, hey, uh, I'm looking for a ride. Oof, I love picking up or the opportunities to pick up a hitchhiker. So, you know, I start talking to her like, I'll probably pick you up. And then I realize I'm not the only one driving here. I got a passenger already. Um, but I had already gone too far. So I kind of said something along the lines of like, yeah, sure, but let me ask my girlfriend first. So, so Madeline walks out, and I was like, hey, Madeline, this is so-and-so. She's looking for a ride to Valdosta, and we're passing by. What do you think? Oof. I could see the anger in her eyes. And she was like, well, it's your car. You do what you got to do. And I was like, well, I'm, I've already said yes to this woman. 
for some reason, my head said, this is the plan. Let's go through with it. And uh, we pick her up. So I'm a dark-skinned guy picking up a hitchhiking woman. I'm glad I got Madeline there with me. This lady is, she is strange. I mean, I got stories for days just from that one experience. But I will focus on a couple of them. And I'll focus on the journey more. We start talking, and I try to ask her questions, make her feel super inclusive, make her feel comfortable. But in that process, I start getting hungry. And now somewhere earlier in that day, I had told Madeline, what if we go to Olive Garden, right? We got 11 hours, let's go to Olive Garden. And I, I brought it up, you know? I'm starting to see restaurants again, and uh, we'll go to Olive Garden with this woman, you know? We'll pay her something. She's got one bag. It'd be the least we can do. Here's the problem. One hour north of Orlando, you start seeing nothing but country. I shouldn't have been seeing restaurants. I shouldn't have been seeing anything but a McDonald's and maybe a Taco Bell. But I was starting to see life. And I start asking Madeline, hey, you know, look up the nearest Olive Garden. Let's do it. And the lady in the back starts saying, you can, you can drop me off here. Like, it's okay. You can drop me off here. And I was like, no, we'll take you to Valdosta. You're here with us. We're passing by. And she's like, no, you don't. And then it hit. I had been driving an hour and a half south. In fact, I was 30 minutes farther south than we had started. No wonder that lady thought we were kidnapping her. Like, nothing I was asking was helping. I was going the wrong way. And here I am thinking that I was doing what was either God's will as, you know, as a human being um, yeah, we turned around, and uh, I was so embarrassed because I find myself very good with maps, and uh, that shattered my entire confidence. <sighs> we ended up going to a Taco Bell. <laughs> and the lady, but be between Taco Bell and there, the lady starts saying things that were, uh, they were not so nice. She starts saying, I don't like Hispanics. I feel like Flor Florida Mexicans or Florida Cubans are not nice. She starts saying just subtle racist, maybe some overt racist things, and I look at the side and Madeline's just like about to just defend me, flow up. And I was just like, whoa, yeah, you really don't? You know, there's always bad people everywhere, right? I mean, what would be crazy if a Hispanic picked you up and took you? four hours Nora, she'd be like mm. and I was like well that's ha that's happening <laughs> and I'll tell you that my Mexican family has been robbed in the U.S. and they have never been taken you know hostage or anything bad in Mexico I would invite you to go just not now like you know learn a little I don't want you to die out there only then did we stop at Taco Bell and I just we bought her food like someone who was treating me terribly. Right after Taco Bell, soon after we end up in Valdosta, that woman said, oh yeah, we're 50 miles west. Mm. But God says, do go the extra mile, right? 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 He doesn't say go the extra 50 miles, but me, I've already dug my grave. And so we go the 50 miles west. We drop her off. We let go of her, breathe a sigh of relief, and start our journey back home. 
ending in a 15 and a half hour drive. Could have driven to Dallas. Anything but. So I went in the wrong direction. I experienced differently. And I don't know what, what the crazy thing is. Here we can see the picture. We can see afterwards why Jonah was in the wrong. We can see afterwards why that trip and why that adventure, not a yeah, the adventure, you know, I think it'd be an adventure to be in a whale, was not conducive towards success for Jonah so far. I don't know what happened. I'd like to think that that lady became a little bit more woke. I'd like to think that maybe I'll see her in heaven. I'd like to think that our prayer for her and our ministry to her and the time spent with her might have done something because that lady had nothing but a bag and, and her own kids to, to visit and see. Anyways, Jonah chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So Jonah has, he's repented, he's good with God, right? Their goals are aligned, they're together. Now the word of the, the, the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. He's good, he's going to do it this time, right? Yeah, he does. Jonah arose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. We know that. Then, jo then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God and called a fast, put sackcloth. The king got in on it, and they all were just humbled. And when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Once again, we're seeing people who we did not think following God's command, and another man who needs an entire miracle of survival to listen to God. Jonah was effective in preaching to a people he did not even know and like. And with this limited perspective, he comes to a conclusion on what people God can bless and what people God cannot bless. Did you hear that? He comes to a conclusion on what people God can bless and what people God cannot bless. Who are we to think that God cannot bless anyone? God blesses all. No matter where you are, he did it to Jonah. He's going to do it to those that repent in Nineveh. What Jonah fails to see, because it is not according to his plan, is that reconciliation will come to anyone that, that calls upon the, yeah, the name of the Lord. I find it interesting here at this point to compare the story of Noah to the story of the prodigal son and the forgiving father. Because, sorry, did I say Noah? <laughs> Jonah. Because Jonah is both the younger son and the older son in the story. Early on, he runs away. Early on, he disobeys from the Lord and ultimately repents and asks for God's grace, just like the younger brother. But in these last two chapters, Jonah obeys God to go and preach to Nineveh, right? He's doing what his father wants. In both cases, he's trying to get control of the agenda. When God accepts the repentance of the Ninevites, just like the older brother, Jonah bristles with self-righteous anger at God's righteousness graciousness, and mercy to sinners. Timothy Keller writes in his book, Rediscovering Jonah, if you want to understand your own behavior, 
you must understand that all sin against God is grounded in a refusal to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that is than we are. We distrust God because we assume he is not truly for us, that if we give him complete control, we will be miserable. Adam and Eve did not say, let's be evil. Let's ruin our own lives and everyone else's too. Rather, they thought, we just want to be happy. But his command, it doesn't look like it'll give us the things we need to thrive. We will have to take things into our, into our own hands. We cannot trust him. As long as we are serving, as long as serving God fit into Jonah's goals for Israel, he was fine with God. They were good. He was the prophet they needed. As soon as he chose between the true God and the God himself he actually worshipped, he turned on the true God in anger. Jonah's particular national identity was more foundational to self-worth than his role as a servant of God of all nations. The real God had just been a means to an end. He was using the God to serve his real God. The story ends in a cliffhanger. Everyone knows that, right? It's kind of weird, and I didn't really study the cliffhanger until now. And honestly, what I share with you is kind of what I believe to be what works with me. I'll share. We're left with a man who's left with self-righteousness. After 40 days of preaching, nothing happens. God was supposed to punish them. Nothing happens. And now as a prophet, imagine you're a prophet. You're in his shoes. And you say, Redlands, you guys are going to, there's going to be fire. There's hellfire going down on you in 40 days. And you preach it for the next 40 days and nothing happens. Everyone's going to think, well, that's a false prophet. And like, why even listen? And in this moment, Jonah, I feel like Jonah, viewed himself as a failure. He viewed, instead of viewing himself as a messenger of God and as a vessel for communication to others, he felt like, his whole identity was shattered. A man who saved the whole world, or at least the world he was instructed to save, lost his own soul in the process. Charles Spurgeon once said, the greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit which makes men look to themselves for salvation. And this entire time we see it, we see a man who, so, who puts himself in such a difficult situation that he ends up not wanting to repent. The one who seems lost in the situation is Jonah, because Nineveh, they're good. They're good. But Jonah is not. That's what relates to us today. Because a lot of us, we find ourselves in this community. We're here, Loma Linda. We're surrounded by a lot of Christians. We grew up knowing what to do. Some of us are still learning what to do. Some of us think we know what to do and hold it above others, and we become self-righteous to the point that when we see someone in the world, when we see someone out there choose Christ or do something good, we instantly judge them because that is not how it's supposed to be. We, f we instantly feel like God's, or when we see someone succeed in life, we think that's not fair. I've been following right with God or what I think is right with God, and I've been following this path, 
that God has led me or the path I think God is leading me to. And God hasn't done that for me. I'm not winning a lottery. I'm not getting all of this. And yet all these people find themselves with the same favor of God that God finds for us. Because at the end of this, God never left Jonah. And God's not leaving us. So as the musicians come up, I want you to think and ponder on the idea that if we zoom out and look at the big picture and we see that we have a God for us and that God is for us and he's also for the, he's for the people in Reno. If we see that God was for Jonah and that he was there to protect them, he was also there to protect the people of Nineveh. It wasn't us versus them. It's all of us together and it's God wanting to take care because he's going to approach the situation differently. He's not going to Jonah and saying, you vile man, you're not following my path. He's allowing Jonah and putting him to go through this. Sorry, like the video showed, er, showed earlier, allowing Jonah to experience the pain to know he's not in control. In the same way that he's allowing the message of possible destruction to lead those who are not with him to be with him. God desires that for all of us. And while I'm still wanting and desiring to grasp this big picture, and I don't fully understand it, I know that I myself end up and have been self-righteous so many times. And it, it hurts me. I almost didn't want to preach this. Because we're all in that, in that position. Not anyone, any one of us is greater than the other. It's the least of these situations. So, choose God. He knows what's best for you. His paths and his goals will always be better. And if you fight him and if you try to go the other way, don't worry. He's always with you. There's no running from God. It's not scary. But it's a blessing. It's comforting. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.